Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. It says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them and its blessings. That, that video starts off, spiritual disciplines can feel mundane. And I said to Missy, this video feels mundane. Because we played it all through the summer, but it doesn't. I love this video. Guys, this, the reason we have it and the reason uh, we made it is to, to uh, since we've been all in and out during the summer, to maintain our theme and, and our purpose for the series. And, and uh, the purpose is spiritual disciplines aren't meant to be tasks. They're not meant to be tasks that we do. They're not meant to be a checklist where we say, yep, I read my Bible today, I did my quote-unquote quiet time, I did my prayer. Uh, they're meant to be a practice of the presence of the Lord. They're meant for us to, to, like Jamie said last week, for us to seek the Lord and to draw near to him, as James says, uh, that he will draw near to us. It's this open invitation to be with God. And, and we look at our, our disciplines as so... Um, uh, we look at them as, as dry. We look at them as, as things that we have to do, not things that we get to do, not, not a privilege where we get to open this book right here, this, this word of God, and, and encounter the spirit of God through these words. Like, that's, that's just amazing. I mean, and, and just think, how many times this week you, did you open this? You know, and, and we're, we're people of God, we call, call ourselves people of God, who want to experience the life of God, and we have it right in our hands, and it just sits there, right, and collects dust. Or we have access to the throne of God through the blood of Christ, uh, the very life of God, and we can do that at any point in time, any day of the week, any time we want, and we can talk to God through Christ's mediation, and we don't. And, and this, this video was meant to say, because this isn't about tasks. It's about us actually practicing the presence of the Lord. And if we can do that, if we can do that individually, if we can do that corporately, man, our cities are going to be changed. Our communities are going to be changed. Your workplace is going to be changed. If you bring the presence of God into your workplace, like that is what you are a vessel for. Like that is what, what God has called you to do, where he's placed you. You're actually bringing the presence of God in there. Oh, man, if you're practicing it, if you are actually accessing the presence of God. And I said earlier when we started this series and talked about uh, prayer and the Word, uh, I said that, I said that uh, praying without ceasing is basically just practicing an awareness of the presence of God all the time. It's, it's, it's reorganizing your thoughts, right? Because how do you pray without ceasing? You, well, you don't hold yourself up in a dark room and in solitude by yourself and just pray all day. That's not what Paul is saying. He's like, constantly be aware of the presence of God in everything you do, in everything you do. And if you can do that, that'll change the way you work. That'll change the way uh, you're, uh, you react to frustrations. That'll change the way uh, you react to what people say against you. That, that'll change the way you speak to others. That'll change your marriage. That'll change your your friendships, that'll change everything if you actually recognize that God is with you all the time. So as, as followers of Jesus, if you are one of those in here this morning, 
That's what we're trying to build in you. That's what we're trying to build in you throughout this series. And that video captures it so well. Uh, so uh, that's, that's where we are in this series. As Missy said, uh, this is the second to last week. We'll finish it out next week. And the spiritual discipline next week is celebration, which a lot of us don't think about that as a spiritual discipline a lot, uh, which maybe it's why we don't do it. I don't know. Um, but we'll talk about that next week. This week, it is sacrifice. Uh, which we don't talk a lot about either, uh, but is an essential thing in the Christian faith. Uh, and in this passage in 1 Corinthians, Paul, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and he's, he's, it's almost like he's building to this point. It's, it's like chapter 9, uh, that we're going we're gonna to go through the entire chapter today. Uh, we will. You guys are not believing me right now, but we will go through all 27 verses <laughs> Um, in, in the time that we have, I think. Or we'll be here till like 4 p.m., I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but leading up to it, we get to chapter 9, uh, and it feels like the whole book is building up to, to chapter 9. Uh, until you get past, past chapter 9, then it feels like the whole book is building up to chapter 13. <laughs> but uh, up until this point, it feels like chapter 9. And right before this, in chapter 8, Paul is talking about He's talking about the stronger person and the weaker person, the stronger follower of Jesus, the weaker follower of Jesus. And, and he's, he's saying, we, we surrender some things. We surrender some rights. We sacrifice some rights for the weaker person sometimes, for their conscience. And even though it's our right, he says we sacrifice it sometimes. And uh, when I was in high school, and this is going to date me, this is going to yeah, reveal my age, but when I was in high school, uh, my, my graduating class had a, had a class song that we voted on. And there are options, and, and we all voted on this class song. And my sister is here, my, my twin sister. So we're in the same graduating year. We were, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, we're in the same graduating year. And, and so our, our, our class voted for... Uh, a Beastie Boys song. Anyone who knows who knows Beastie Boys in here? I got two, three, four. Okay. All right, Archie. Yeah, Archie, raise your hand proudly. You know Beastie. <laughs> yeah, Beast. So the rest of you guys know Beastie. Okay, it's like this '80s rap. They're like these pioneers of of rap and hip hop. Uh, so uh, the Beastie Boys uh, were among among these this group of pioneers that that did this and. And uh, they're like this, anyways, so they had this song called Fight for Your Right to Party. <laughs> you gotta fight for your right to party, okay? Uh, I, won't, I won't stretch it out yet. Um, and, our, and our class is like, yeah, you know, we want that song. We're gonna fight for right to party. Like, that's our, this is, this is class of 98. We're gonna, 98, right? A lot of you guys weren't born then, or you're toddlers. Uh, class of 98, we're going to fight for a right to party. And, and uh, the school administration said no. They said, no, that can't be your song. Why? Because it's, it's very individualistic and it's very rebellious. And we don't want that representing your generation and your class. So your song will be... My heart will go on. Because <laughs> in 1997, guess what made a big splash? Titanic. Right? No pun intended. I see you got that afterwards. So Titanic did, 1997. And then so they said, how about this song, which is more about sacrifice. And, and so you have here a song, and you got to fight for your right to, the par to party. That's more about it's more individualistic, it's more um, about, yeah, these are my rights, and it's more rebellious, and it's more beat and drum heavy, and then you got this other song that's more flute heavy, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you, you got the flute, right? Uh, and it's more flute heavy, and it's, it's more about, like, think about what scenes in the movie you think about when you hear the flute start in that song. Um, you think about, or I, I think about the, the boat, right? Like, where they're hanging off the boat, like a flying thing. And then I also think about 
um, where Jack sacrifices himself at the end. Uh, and he, if you haven't seen it, sorry, but he dies. <laughs> it's been, what, a long time, 20 years, over 20 years, he, he dies. And, which I never understood because I'm like, I think that could hold both you guys. Uh, but he, he sacrifices himself to save her. And, and here's the thing, guys. Uh, the Christian life is more my heart will go on than it is you got to fight for your right to party. But a lot of us still live the Christian life like it's you got to fight for your right to party. I deserve this. This is my right. And... I'm going to do this. Uh, It's not, um, I'm going to consider others and I'm going to sacrifice for their sake. And and we live this mantra of uh, we're fighting for our rights when when Jesus is saying, no, it's about sacrifice. And so here's the bottom line for today that we'll take through the entire, entire passage. It's a life concentrated on rights will lead to a life consumed by regrets. Okay, read that again. A life concentrated on rights, so focused on your rights, leads to a life consumed by regrets. All right, so let's jump into this passage. In verse one, Paul says, chapter nine, verse one, he says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. So as we go through this passage, don't get distracted by Paul's uh, specific examples of his argument. Uh, he's going to use a very specific example uh, that, that is specific to him. And so don't get distracted on, because we'll get into like, should pastors be paid? Should they not be paid? Paul will kind of talk about Like, don't get distracted by that. Um, Paul is basically laying the groundwork here for him as an apostle, and he's saying, don't you recognize I'm an apostle? He's laying this all down because he's about to renounce all the rights that come with it in reference to the Corinthian church, okay? So he's, he's making sure everyone's on the same page with his apostleship, that he is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ because he's about to renounce all the rights that go with it. And Paul isn't saying... Uh, so the Corinthian church was arguing that they have this right. They have certain rights, and they have a right to choose. And Paul isn't saying they don't have a right to choose. What he is saying is that you also have a right not to choose. Does that make sense? Like they're, they're saying, we have this right, Paul, and, and you can see it back in, verse, uh, or back in chapter 8, back in chapter 6. They're saying they have this right, and Paul's not saying they don't. He's saying, but also, you can lay down those rights. So he's making sure everyone's on the same page with who he is, what authority he has, that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he says to them, have I not seen Jesus? Have you not seen my life changed by Jesus? Are you not the beneficiaries of it? Are you not the workmanship of it? If to others I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you, because I've been here for you guys. And now he's about to renounce things. So verse 3. He says, this is my defense to those who would examine me. Now, verses four and five, when he says, do we not? So he says, do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? Uh, When he says, do we not, in the Greek, that is a double negative in the Greek. And in English, normally, a double double negative does what? It cancels each other out, right? Um, Where's Seth? He's an English major. I just saw him in here. It cancels each other out. But in Greek, it actually intensifies the negative. So basically, this could be saying, Paul could be saying, it could be translated, surely it cannot be that I don't have the right to eat and drink. And when he says to eat and drink, he's not just talking about regular eating and drinking. He's saying eating and drinking at your expense, at the church's expense, the Corinthian church. You guys should be providing for me because I'm serving you. So he says here, surely it cannot be that I don't have this right. Basically meaning, I have this right. And he says, surely it cannot be that I don't have the right to take along a believing wife, as the other apostles do, like the brothers of the Lord and Cephas. So Paul laid down that right. 
Right? He says, I, I, haven't been, I haven't gotten married, and that's for the sake of the gospel. I've, I've laid that right aside. In verse 6, he says, or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Basically, is it only Barnabas and I who have, who, who have, to, uh, who have to work for a living? And it shouldn't, basically, shouldn't we be provided for by the church? And then he gives these three instances in verse 7, these three uh, examples that, that are like, that are uh, kind of metaphors for ministry and serving Jesus. All right, he says, who, who serves a, as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? And actually, uh, the construction for those in Greek as well actually intensifies them by, by basically saying, nobody does this. A soldier doesn't serve at his own expense. Someone who plants a vineyard, they don't, they don't not eat of the fruit of the vine. Someone who, who uh, tends a flock, they obviously drink some of the milk. And so he's, he's saying here that, that these rights, these are rights of him being a servant of the Lord and an apostle to the church, and he's laid them down. Verse 8, do I say these things on human authority? Uh, that's in, uh, again, I'm bringing up the, I normally don't talk about the Greek that much, but in the Greek, that is an emphatic uh, rhetorical, no, this is a rhetorical question, and it's rhetorical because it uses a rhetorical device, and in Greek, that word is, is uh, there's a certain word placed at the beginning of a sentence that means this question, the emphatic answer is going to be no. So he says, do I say these things on human authority? The, an- the emphatic answer is no. He says, does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for the oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope, and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. We're going to come back to these verses in a, in a minute. Verse 11, if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Basically, he's saying, is not the spiritual of more value than the material? He's saying, we have, he's saying I've sown eternity into your hearts, and you guys can't provide for us? Like, aren't the spiritual things greater than the, than the physical, than the material things? And, he, and, and he's talking about giving here. He's talking about providing, providing for them. He says in verse 12, if others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? And he's making this case, and he's building up this case, because guys, he hasn't renounced the right yet, right? He's just building up the case that there, that there is a right to him as an apostle of Christ Jesus. So he is, he's, he's building this case for it, but he hasn't yet renounced it. He's about to in verse 12. But he's saying, the, when we put spiritual against material things, the spiritual is obviously greater. There's no question there. He says they're, they're, they're greater. And, and for us, just, I won't, I'm not gonna talk about money too much because lest we like, unless I distract you from the, from the purpose of this passage. But Paul is talking about a lot up to this point. And when we think about sacrifice, a lot of us just go to money. Um, and I think we go to it here in our minds because it's tied to our hearts here. And, and sacrifice, in its essence, is a heart issue. It's not a material possession issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's a heart issue. And when we talk about money... It's not a possession issue, it's a heart issue. And that's why Jesus says, Jesus talks about the love of money as being the root of all kinds of evil. He doesn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil, he says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So it's, it's this heart issue, and, and, and for some of us, it's, we, we love money, and you say, oh, I don't think I love money, just have to use it. Uh, and that, for a lot of us, that's, that's the case. But um, when, we, when I say you love money, um, we, we're just, we're, we're hoarders. We're, we're greedy. We want more of it. 
We, we, that's why we work longer hours. That's why we, we take the jobs that we do. That's why we, we uh, yeah, on and on. And, and, then, and so some of us, it's, it's the love of money that really has our hearts. Some of us, it's the fear of money. Right? Like, I think for some of us, we just fear, I'm, I'm not going to have enough. Like, I'm, I'm doing all this, and, and I just, we're work, I'm working, I'm, I'm trying to save, and, and I, just, I just don't have enough. And that's actually just as bad. In the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus talks about not being anxious about those things. He says, I, I'll, I'll provide for you. And like, as a follower of Jesus, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I, I hear that and I get that, but I still have to work, I still have a job. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you do, but don't be anxious about it. Just trust me in those things. Tomorrow has, an, has enough worries of its own. Just focus on today. Uh, and for some, so for some of us, it's, it's just the fears that surround it, uh, the anxieties, the, the worries that, that come with money. But then for some of us, it's just a mishandling. And we don't know how to handle money. So like a lot of you guys are in debt. A lot of you, and, and we have, we've rationalized this thing uh, in the world where we say there's good debt and there's bad debt. There's investment debt and there's bad debt. There's, there's school debt, that's an investment. Um, and then there's bad debt, that's credit card debt. There's investment debt, that is like a home. And then there's bad debt, that's like uh, buying too many material things. Uh, well, the Bible says debt is debt. I don't care if you're investing it or not. And you're talking to a business, a business major here, right? Like, and you're talking to someone who, who likes investing. And, uh, but the Bible says debt is debt. And when you give, even school debt guys, when you give yourself to tens of thousands of dollars to somebody, they own you. We're not supposed to be in a prison. We're supposed to be free in Christ. Right? And we can't be free. We can't be free to sacrifice if we put ourselves into a prison of debt. And, and so with sacrifice, and, and now specific to, to money, um, our, your ability to sacrifice is directly proportional to some of these things, your fears. Your, the greater your fear, or sorry, indirectly proportional, the greater your fear, the, uh, the less capacity you have to sacrifice. The greater your debt, the less capacity you have to sacrifice. The greater your greed, the less capacity you have to sacrifice. And Paul is saying here, that, uh, that as, a, as an apostle, he has this right for the community of faith to sacrifice on his behalf because he's serving them. And now he's about to renounce it. He says, nevertheless, in verse 12, we've not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. We endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. And when he says right there, uh, that word is literally like authority, power, dominion. You have this right. It speaks to you like you deserve this. He says, we've not made use of this. We've, we've laid it aside. We've, we've put it down. But rather, we have endured, persevered, um, suffered through anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Can you say that in your walk with the Lord? Can you say that as a follower of Jesus? Can you say, I will endure anything. I'll persevere through anything. I'll sacrifice anything for the sake of the gospel. Remember, a life concentrated on rights leads to a life consumed with regrets, right? We're talking about money, we're talking about the gospel here now. A life concentrated on rights leads to a life consumed by regrets. Can you say that? Can you say that about the gospel, that I wouldn't do anything? I think for a lot of us, it's, we reverse that. We, we, we kind of reverse the statement and... And in our lives actually say this, I will put an obstacle in the way of the gospel. I would obscure the way of the gospel rather than suffer anything for the sake of the gospel. I would obscure someone's faith rather than persevere. I would rather put a stumbling block in front of somebody 
then go through that. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, uh, Paul is laying out something here for us that, that um, is going to require a lot of sacrifice. That we would, he says, I would rather endure anything than obscure the gospel. Verse 13, it says, Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offering? So he's giving, he's giving examples of, of, uh, of those who, who are provided for by, by the church here. In, in verse 14, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. And, and this is still, it's, it's kind of ending what he's, started talking about with the oxen, and he's, you can see Paul reading here, uh, or hearing Jesus say this in Matthew 10. Uh, you can hear him reading Deuteronomy 25. Paul repeats this in, in 1 Timothy as well, um, this, this whole kind of 8 through 14 refrain. And, and so Paul isn't operating on his own authority here. He's referencing Christ, and he's referencing the Hebrew scriptures. So verse 15, but I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. We know from chapter one that Paul boasts in the cross, right? He boasts in the gospel. Verse 16, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Oh, guys, do you know the power of that statement? He says, I can't boast in preaching the gospel because I'm supposed to as a follower of Jesus. That's what followers of Jesus do. They share their faith. They preach the gospel. He says, woe to me if I don't. Like, basically, I'm cursed if I don't. Like, woe to me. Like, this is Paul... This, this statement here is a statement of pain, of anguish, of saying, if I don't preach the gospel, if I don't share my faith, if I don't tell other people about Jesus, I'm not following Jesus. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Oh, and, we, and we're at our workplaces, and we're at our, our sports clubs, and we're in our running clubs, and we're at our schools, and we're at all these places, and we're like, ah. You know, I can't really show my faith. You know, I might get fired. Woe to you if you're more scared about getting fired than you are about following Jesus. Woe to you if your fear of your job and that security that job gives you trumps your security in Christ. Oh, man. That's hard news, guys. Like, that is, that's really hard. And I get it, right? Like, it's, it's hard living in this city. It's hard living in environments where nobody cares about the church. Nobody cares about your faith. Everyone, where if you, people know you're a follower of Jesus, you're automatically like, there's like, a, a, at the very least, a dotted line drawn. Maybe you can get in around it. But for a lot of us, it's like a solid line. Like, you're on this side automatically. And that's hard. But Paul says, woe to me. Right? And, and Paul lived in the city in Corinth and Ephesus, all, all these places, that was way more, way more um, uh, post-Christian, pre-Christian, depraved, whatever you want to call it, than Toronto is, right? Like, like Paul, Paul lived in a place where they would kill you for this, right? And we're just worried about our money. We're just worried about our security. We're just worried about our comfort. We're just worried about our friendships and our relationships and, our, and all those things. And Paul says, woe to me if I don't stand up for my faith. Now, Paul would also say, hey guys, there's a way to do this that isn't, that isn't um, uh, arrogant, belligerent, isn't uh, you know, beating someone over the head with the Bible. Uh, there's a way to do it in love with truth. And if you want to know about that, listen to our sermon series, <laughs> Meals with Jesus, Welcome Home, uh, that we preached in, in the spring. So, that's a hard statement that Paul says, there's, there's, there's nothing, I can't boast in that. It's just re required as a follower of Jesus. We all just do it. It's necessity. 
Woe to me if I don't. Verse 17, for if, I, for if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with the stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Verse, six, verse 19, for though I am free from all, and, and that word free in verse 19 is actually, is actually fronted in the Greek. So it's the first word in the Greek sentence, which means that that is the emphatic, uh, of this sentence, that is the emphatic uh, word, theme. We should understand this sentence in, in terms of freedom. Right? So he says, he says, I've made, or, or verse 19, for though I'm free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. So basically saying, emphatically, guys, I'm free. I'm free from all. Like, I'm, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing binding me. But I've made myself a servant to all, then I might win more of them. Guys, freedom in Christ, we talk about freedom a lot. And uh, freedom in Christ. And, and I think we, we have a fundamental misunderstanding of freedom. I think I've told you guys this before when Missy and I 2013, we were in Libya. This was post-Gaddafi. The Gaddafi regime just fell. Missy and I kind of foolishly went to Libya. I don't know what we were doing there. Uh, we were, <laughs> she's looking at me like a... So, guys, it was, it was nuts. Like, it still is. If you read anything on Libya today, it's just like, it's a mess, right? Then it was a mess. Like, it was like four different militias controlled Tripoli. They could shut down the airport whenever they wanted to open it up. We are in Tripoli in there. They can do all, whatever they wanted to. Um, automatic gunfire all the time, um, like car bombs going off at embassies, stuff like that. Um, so we were there, and I was walking through this alley with my buddy, and I don't know why we took the shortcut, but we did. Uh, it was daytime, so we were like, oh, we're safe. Uh, so we're, we're going through this alley, and this guy pops out, and, and he's talking to us in Arabic. Well, I don't speak Arabic, and, uh, but my friend does. Um, but he looks, my friend is blonde-haired, palest skin you've ever seen, curly blonde hair. <laughs> so he, they, they, they're not assuming he's Arabic, so my friend starts speaking to him. And all I hear is, is uh, heat-seeking missiles. And I'm like, uh, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? And, and uh, my friend kind of whispers to me, like, we got to get out of here. And so he's talking, he's talking, and, and the guy, like, thinks we're CIA. Um, and he's looking for heat-seeking missiles. They're like, why would he ask us? Uh, and then the guy starts speaking English. And he's like, you guys American? And, and we're like, uh, <laughs> what do we say here? Like, is that going to get us killed? Or is that going to be, is that a good or a bad thing? Right? And, and, and he says, we want to be like, he's like, we want to be like America. And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, OK. Uh, he's like, we want to be free. No laws. And we're like, uh, I don't think that's how freedom works. Uh, but they were under this regime for so long that when the regime got dismantled, they didn't know what real freedom was. And guys, us as followers of Jesus, we've been living under this regime, right? Before we became followers of Jesus, we were under the prince of darkness, right? We were under this, this regime, this oppressive, this dark this darkness, right? The Bible says we are in the dark, right? Jesus has the light. Praise God, the, the, the darkness has not overcome the light. Jesus comes in the world, the light of the world, and he frees us from the regime. He frees us from the oppression. He frees us from the darkness, and now we're in the light. But a lot of us don't know how to act in the freedom in Christ that we have. We think it's, we won't be free like America. No laws, right? We're just like going crazy like the Wild West. And that's like his understanding of it. Like it was like, it's like, wait, that's not, I know it kind of looks like that, but it's not how, how it's supposed to be. Um, and, and, uh, and we're still trying to figure out what freedom in Christ looks like. Well, Paul says twice in two chapters before chapter nine, he says, you were bought at a price. Yeah, you are not under the service of the prince of darkness anymore, but guess what? You're in the service of the Prince of Peace now. It's not no laws. It's a different law. It's a law of love, right? It's a law of light, a law of liberty. Like, and it's a different 
kind, and, Paul, and, and so Jesus says we have this abundant life, but it's not a free-for-all, guys. Paul says, I'm a servant to all. Like I have, because Jesus has done this, Adam referenced Philippians 2, 5 through 11 in his prayer earlier, because Jesus has laid his life down, because he's humbled himself to the point, uh, in, in the form of a servant, to the point of death on a cross, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna humble myself to, to, um, uh, to the form of a servant. And, and for Paul, it was to the point of death. All right? and, and so he says here, for though I'm free, I've made myself a servant. Verse 20, to the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though not myself being under the law, then I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but on the law of Christ. All right, there's still a law that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means, I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Then I may share with them in its blessings. For Paul, his primary impetus, the primary force that was pushing him forward was the gospel and, and how it transforms lives and saves people. What's your primary impetus for living? What's your primary reason for following Jesus? Paul says, I do all this, then I might save some. That by, that by my obedience, some might come to a knowledge of the glory of Christ Jesus. Just some. Like Paul's like, if, if, some, if, if some people are affected by me giving up my life, then I'm gonna do it. Then I'm gonna do it. And Paul says in Romans 12, would be living sacrifices. All right, Jesus says in Matthew 16, he says, we're to deny ourselves and take up our cross. He says later in Matthew 16, you're to lose your life so that you can find it. You're to lose your life so that you'll find it. And Paul says, I do this all for the sake of the gospel that some might come to a knowledge of the truth. That just some. What are you willing to, what are you willing to give up and sacrifice for the gospel? What are you willing to sacrifice so that someone else would hear the gospel? Are you willing to sacrifice your reputation as whatever you want it to be, a, a cool guy? Are you willing to sacrifice your reputation at work for the sake of the gospel? Are you willing to sacrifice money for the sake of the gospel? Are you willing to get hurt in relationships for the sake of the gospel? When Emerson was first born, um, New dad, so she's nine, it's nine years ago, new dad, trying to figure out babies and all that stuff, right, a few new dads in here. Um, I had no idea what I was doing, and um, Missy had a three-month mat leave, right, so her, her mat leave was only three months, so she went back to work after three months, and it was just me <laughs> working from home with this thing that I was to take care of that I had no idea what to do with. And, uh, you know, I'm learning, feeding, all that stuff. And, and so three, she's, you know, between three and four months, um, there's a bed in her room, I put her on this bed, and babies that age don't really move, right? They just kind of lay there. They're kind of boring, they don't do much, uh, except cry and eat and poop. So you, I just laid her on the bed, and I laid her towards the middle, so I thought she was safe. And I turn around, and I'm a few steps over here at the dresser because I was getting her a little outfit out. So I'm getting her something out, and uh, I look up in the mirror, and I see her falling off the bed. Um, and I turn around, and, and the bed's like over here by the, by the communion stuff. And I turn around, and I dive, and I catch her right before she hits the ground. My hand cradles to the back of her head, my other hand's on her little butt, and I, and I catch her right before she hits the ground. And I think I may have hit my head on the bed, I'm not sure, like, or the, there's a nightstand there. Um, uh, but she was safe. And she looks at me like, 
hey, daddy. <laughs> and she starts screaming in my face. And I was like, oh gosh, what happened? But she was fine, she was just scared. Um, and I was scared. So I'm like crying, and she's crying, and she's crying, and we're both just crying. It's like this really cool bonding moment. We're just like crying in each other's arms. Um, and that's like, when Paul gives this picture, he's like, I'll do anything, I'll do anything to save somebody. I'll give up all of it. Like, I'll dive, I will hit my head, I'll do anything to catch this person who doesn't even know they're falling. Right, that's the thing. Before Jesus, you didn't even know you were falling, but you were, deeper and deeper into the prison of darkness. And that's our city, guys, that's our world. And we're called to catch people, to like shake them out of it, right? Like, like they, they have this jolt. When I caught her, it was like this jolt. Um, and it scared her, right? And we're just hugging each other, <laughs> each other's arms. Like, that's the beauty of the gospel. Like, it's going to scare some people. But if they really grasp it, I mean, these guys were indebted to Paul for the rest of his life, right? Like, and he didn't want them to be, but... He was the voice of the gospel in their lives. And all he did was point them to Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. And you see here, he finishes out. Oh, last thing in verse 23, he says, I do for the sake of the gospel that I may share with him in its blessings. Guys, I know it sounds like a lot of sacrifice and a lot of individual sacrifice, and, and it is. But Paul says, I do it so that I may share with them and its blessings. This word is a sharing and fellowship, and they're sharing together in the community of faith. And that's the beauty of it. Like, you're not just doing it on your own. We're doing it together. This is Acts chapter 2, right? This is the church in Acts 2. Uh, oh, I let's, let's read that real quick. This is the church in Acts chapter 2. Uh, this is, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And guys, we want this church right? Like, I hear everyone talking about this church. I want the New Testament church. I want the Acts 2 church. We want to be like this church, but we don't really want this church, Because right? <laughs> we don't sacrifice. We don't commit. We don't really want this. Look at what, what it looks like. All came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles, verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They had all things in common. They were selling their stuff, possessions, belongings. They were distributing the proceeds to all. That money didn't have a hold on them. Uh, verse uh, yeah, 46, and day by day, day by day. Can't even get you guys to come here once a week, right? <laughs> like, people, have, people struggle to come to, to be with the body of Christ one time a week. Add a BOG in there two times a week. These guys are together every single day. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. That's the result. They had favor with all people. We think we have favor by looking more like the world. They look more like Jesus, and they had favor with people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Do you want that church? And we say we do, but we don't commit. We have issues with commitment. We have issues with, with commitment in church. We'll commit to our, our four, five-year, six-year university degree program. We'll commit to uh, a boyfriend or girlfriend. Uh, we'll commit to this uh, sports club. We'll commit to our running stuff. But when it comes to church, ooh, I don't know, family of God, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. We don't even commit. And we say we want Acts 2.42. Acts Guys, like, they're sharing everything. They had everything in common. And, and we can't even sit next to each other, right? Like, that's, like, we, if, if we're going to get to a picture like that, we got to start sacrificing. And it doesn't have to happen on our own. It gets to happen together. And that's what Paul's saying. It gets to happen together. And the last few verses here, I'm going to go through quickly. He says here, verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? They all have this purpose. They all have this goal. They're not running for nothing. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They're temperate. 
They say yes to this. They say no to that. They have this sense of self-control. That is a fruit of the Spirit, right, is self-control. We're getting now into disciplines, into spiritual disciplines. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we do it to receive an imperishable wreath. They're just doing this, and they have, and he's like literally a wreath. They're running this race, and they get like a, a wreath for their head that dies in a few days. And we're doing it for something imperishable, he says. How much more so should we be doing this? So he says, verse 26, so I do not run aimlessly. I'm not just running in circles in my faith. I do not box as one beating the air. I'm not shadow boxing. I'm actually hitting a target. I'm not just wasting my energy, he's saying. But in verse 27, I discipline my body. That, that word discipline is literally pummel. Like, uh, I'm pummeling my body. So don't think asceticism where he's like whipping himself or something. But, but he is, he, he's getting spiritually in shape. And it takes work, right? And he does it to keep it under control, lest after preaching other, to others, I myself should be disqualified. You know, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, uh, David, uh, Dave and I were praying before the service this morning. Uh, and if you guys don't know, we, we start prayer at 9 a.m. Uh, so if you ever want to come in and pray before the service, please feel free to come in. So uh, David and I were, were praying this morning, and he was talking about uh, working out because David loves to work out. So this is his go-to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's talking about working out because this passage talks about it, right? And, and, uh, and he's talking about how sometimes you work on like, some, some people just work on one muscle. And, you know, you'll work on your biceps, for instance, but your triceps will be toast. Or you'll work on, you'll work on your triceps, but you'll do no work on your lats, whatever those are. David said lats, and I was like, oh, what, what, is, what are those? <laughs> uh, and and you, you won't work on your lats. And, and he says, and, and so we started talking about what muscles does our church need to, need to um, work on that we haven't worked on? What, what muscles do you need to work on individually that you haven't worked on? And things, if we're talking about spiritual disciplines, some of you guys are, uh, you got a great prayer life, but you have no idea how to read the word of God, right? Your lats are, aren't anything, um, but your biceps look good, right? And, and some of you guys, some of you guys, you're, you're, good with, you're good with giving. Some of you guys are great with giving. Like, that's your spiritual discipline. You're, you're, you love to give, but you're horrible with community. Now, you, you say you want it, but you're horrible with it, right? And you're not working out that, that muscle group. So for you individually, think about that. As Paul talks about disciplining my body, what part of you as following Jesus needs to be disciplined more? I was asking the Lord that this morning and throughout this week, um, and I was asking him for myself, like, what do I need to sacrifice, God? What am I not sacrificing that I need to sacrifice? What am I not working out and disciplining that I need to discipline more for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of others. And so if you're going to follow Jesus, uh, ask those questions so that, that you, can, you, can, uh, um, you can be disciplined and self-controlled and temperate in following Jesus. Those are, those are key words. The, the writer of Hebrews picks up on this in Hebrews chapter 12, and he says, and he says I'll, I'll actually read it, and we'll close with this. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Why? Because Jesus did it. The founder and perfecter of our faith, Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured, persevered, suffered through the cross despising the shame and a seat at the right hand of God. You know, if your question on following Jesus is, what sins do I need to get rid of? That's like uh, the lowest question you can ask. Like, Paul, Paul, or not Paul, the writer of Hebrews here, which we don't know who, who it is, says that we lay aside sin, but we also lay aside every weight every weight. There's some things, guys, in your lives that are good things that Jesus is saying, sacrifice that 
for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the kingdom. And they might be good things. And, and, and you might say, uh, God gave me these things. He gave me these things. And you're holding on to it like this. Ten years ago, I know God gave me this promise and this, and this dream and this calling. And you're holding on to it like this. And, and, and he's trying to put something new in your hands. And you're like, no. I want this 10-year-old dream, calling, whatever it was, this blessing, whatever it was, and I'm going to hold on to it. And he's trying to put something grand and new and amazing in your hands, and you just won't let go of the old thing. And that may be the weight you need to lay aside in order to receive the joy that is set before you that God wants to give you. And so for us as followers of Jesus, we're called to follow his example in this and, and run, right? So many of us are just walking in our faith. So many of us are limping in our faith. We're just dragging the weight with us. And this says we're supposed to run in our faith. So let's run and discipline ourselves and practice the presence of God so that we can practice the presence of God in this city. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it brings life, that it brings conviction, that uh, we can, at the same time, we can feel like, oh, I'm not living how I should for you, but at the same time, no, there's hope and there's grace and there's this, this just amazing, abundant life that you have for us. And so for the joy that was set before you, set that before us so that whatever our cross is that you've called us to bear, to take up, that we would endure it, that we would persevere through it, that we would suffer through it for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, lest we become an obstacle for somebody. God, I don't want our church, I don't want anyone in this room to be an obstacle to the gospel of Jesus for somebody else. And I know they feel the same way if they're following you, Jesus. So show us where we're doing that in our lives. Show us where we obscure the gospel. Show us where we put down stumbling blocks and obstacles for other people and help us to remove them, to cast aside those weights, and to run with endurance after you. We love you, Jesus, and pray this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca, or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.